This is PSG Small Talk's transfer deadline special. Where the piles up so high, you need wings to stay above it. I love the signing of Paredes in the morning. It sounds like victory. We took the Diong River into Cambodia, all while fighting off Kules at every turn. What are they going to say about Antero Henrique? What are they going to say? That he was a kind man? That he was a wise man? That he had plans man? That he had wisdom bull****** man? They say never get on Twitter. Absolutely goddamn right. Unless you're willing to go all the way. We are finally... 30 minutes away from the end of the 2019 January transfer window. And Carl, it feels like we've been through a war here. I feel like, I feel like it's been 30 days of just checking Twitter and trying to follow all these leads. Like we're some sort of amateur detectives, but it's finally over. And now that it's, finally almost over, barring some sort of crazy happenings at the end. How do you feel about the last 30 days here in PSG world? It's been a lot of, it's been a long 30 days for many reasons. Yeah, I think most of us are pretty exhausted and thank you for having me back, by the way. Um, Right now I feel, I mean, you're often affected what's happened from what's happened the past like a day or so and so much has been going on on Twitter today that you're caught up in all of that with the uh, the MLS signing and so on but when you look back at it you really have you have a very slow sort of first half of January and then you go on after the uh, uh, the Frankie de Jong transfer to Barcelona you as a fan felt that something needed to happen with whatever that would have been and that turned out to be the signing of Leandro Paredes which I think it was this like last Friday it was in in theory or, or in practice I should say uh, finalized uh, sort of or at least uh, Paris United came out and said so and then we had these for uh, yeah it was like four or five days we're just waiting for the announcement knowing that something could go wrong and I think that drained just drained the energy of most of the fan base and when it's funny it was announced it was quite a relief I would say so a slow start but it is heated up towards the end uh, in my mind it's it for me it's been it, it's been frustrating because I think they they need there's they, they went into this window needing a midfielder. I I think and we'll get into a lot of this. I think there was some um, mishandling of these situations from pretty much everyone at Paris Saint-Germain, not yeah. just Santero Henrique, uh, but uh, he's a major part of it, but he's not the only one here that deserves, you know, scorn. But I really felt they needed to get one. If they didn't get any, they'd be in trouble because you cannot go into 
the Champions League knockout stages with Mark with a fragile Marco Verratti, Marquinhos, Draxler, and Danny Alves as your midfielders. You needed another guy, and they. I think for what was out in the market, got the best guy they could have gotten. Now we might talk about the the sort of Frankie De Jong thing, but that would have been for the summer regardless. It wouldn't have helped you now. This helps you now. You have a guy that's going to take. Who's probably they have three more games before Manchester United. They have a um, they have a game against Leon on Sunday. I don't expect Paredes to start that game. Um, he may start the first uh, cup match, the cup match in the middle of the week to just get some form. And then they have Bordeaux on Saturday. So they'll have a couple of games to integrate him in. I think he's going to start. I, I just feel like he, he, I don't think you can go into, you know what I mean? I think he, I think he has a chance to start if not play significant minutes, but let's even back up from that. Your thoughts on the signing of Leandro Paredes, which is the, one and probably only signing PSG will make in this window of any uh, rapport. Yeah, from what I've heard from some sources, it's no more activity tonight. So probably only one. It's it's weird because it's re- it's a really good signing. It's the best mid, as you said. It's for me the best midfield signing that PSG could have gotten, and he's had such. I mean, yes, he went to to Russia, which was a bit of a weird move considering he was very sought after when he was at Roma. Um, and I feel that he is one part of the... one part of what PC need in midfield. They need another... He's going to f- fill a bit of that uh, Thiago, Thiago Motta role uh, that existed before. So... That's very good, and he's young as well. I think it's is he twenty four or twenty three going on? Uh, twenty four. Yeah, twenty four. So that that's essentially the ideal age. If if it would be twenty seven, that would be okay. But we would still be like going on thirty in just a couple of years. But twenty four, you have enough experience both both at a, at a big club in Europe, uh, but uh, abroad as well. So he's accustomed to getting used to another environment than, than his own um, and he's just a really talented player he has his faults of course his disciplinary record isn't that great and he isn't the most mobile uh, well, if, you, if you say those two things he clearly is a great replacement for Tiago Mata then because you basically yeah. just described Tiago Mata <laughs> exactly he, he's Tiago Mata 2.0 I don't think he will be the same Tiago Mota had a, like he, he he had been around he had been at Inter he had been at Barcelona and yeah had a certain experience but uh, I think Paredes if he gets time with uh, Marco Verratti it's going to work out great uh, hopefully I said that about Gregor Skrzyczowiak as well so you never know but uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic because normally January transfers are a bit sort of panic buys but this is something that can work for for the future as well yeah and that's the key too it's a long-term it's a long-term buy in that you've signed him up for four and a half years um you have a player that you've given the number eight to so clearly they think high of highly of the player and it's a it's a 
good way to sort of give you some, I wouldn't say Marco Verratti insurance because they're going to probably play together, but he can, you can play him in different sorts of midfields, especially down the line when you do bring in a couple of more midfielders in the summer, he'll be able to play that sort of deep lying role that, kind of Pirlo playmaker out of the back role and he can play a little center mid so he's versatile in that sense he can play in different positions he's not just a defensive mid he's not just a central midfielder and that'll give you some flexibility and I think that's what Tuchel's trying to get here with his squad is a team that can at least you know be tactically flexible and positionally flexible so I think it's overall, it's a really good signing. And it's probably the best midfield signing anyone made in this window. I can't think of a team that got a better midfielder than PSG did. You could you, you could argue for Frankie de Jong. Yeah, but and, that's te- te- uh, yeah. Te- technically that's a summer. That's a summer yeah. bomb. Uh, yeah, uh, I see your point. I'm trying to think of any, any big ones. Yeah. No, but it's definitely one of the best, uh, especially in this market as well. 40 to 50 million isn't that much. It, it is a big sum of money, but it, you are not going up to do it towards 100, which is easily what young talented players do nowadays. So, Yeah. and it's, it's a reasonable sum. I think it is. I think they got a... a uh, the problem is they could have gotten this deal two weeks ago. Exactly. That's the that's the major problem, and this is where we now go into the just. And I'll I'll preface this a little bit. I gave Antero Henrique the benefit of the doubt in the summer, and the reason I gave him the benefit of the doubt was because in early July he was under the impression that he was going to be able to spend money in the window, especially after what he did in June, which I thought was really brilliant in selling about 60 million euros worth of players. A lot of players that essentially were redundancies or dead weight, you know, the the Javier Pastores and the, the likes of them. He did a great job in selling those guys and getting value for them. I think, remind me, who else did he sell on that? Yeah. Uh, he got rid of uh, Kishoviak on a two-year loan with an obligation obligation to buy. Trying to think of anyone else. Um, um, who might have been? Yeah, I don't know actually. Yeah, the, uh, the, yeah the he got rid of Yuri too. The, he got rid of Yuri Bershich. Yeah, Yuri, of course. So he gets them to sixty million. We we get them that sixty million they needed, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, UEFA. Re, you know, restarts the investigation on PSG, and it throws their summer plans into complete and utter ruin. And at that point, for a guy that moves about as slow as an iceberg, you know that's not a good sign. If you're, if in uh, again, I think that that situation was so sort of unfair and ridiculous of UEFA to do that that I gave yeah. Enrique a a break. They got Buffon. They got. Juan Bernat, who's contributed in major ways, he's a liability defensively, absolutely, but he's, you know, he's scored two big Champions League goals here. Yeah. So, you know, you and, can't... If he, and if he plays further up the pitch, pitch he won't be that liability yeah. as often. And then you get Tilo Kerr, who's proving to be still young, but he's got a load of potential. And 
Chopa Moting, who's been a really serviceable role player. He's been decent every time he's been on. So with all of that happening, with all that happening, they at least had a halfway decent window and they, they were able to improve the team. I think, I don't know if you disagree, but I think they improved. Maybe they didn't get the midfielder they wanted or needed. And that's true, but they did improve the team in other areas. And I'll let you talk on this, but this window has just been, he's, I don't even know like where to begin with the amateur hour nonsense that we're seeing. You have, you can go into it and I'll, I'll add, but just like, it's been amateur hour this whole yeah. 30 days, 31 days. I, uh, yeah. I think what, what people have been, were criticizing for this summer, but, and I think there's just been more evidence piling up this window is that he had a bit of a, maybe a lack of plan B. Yeah. He, he was, uh, he has an idea and he wants to do it, but when he doesn't go through, he has to start all over. If you have, if you're representing, uh, such a big organization as, uh, PSG, you, you need to have, uh, multiple uh, balls running. I don't know if that's an expression, but I think you understand what I mean. You need to have, uh, parallel discussions with the players with the clubs uh, so you have options ready because I think from, from my understanding of it he banked on getting the young in when Barcelona hijacked that deal he had to start, start all over and I mean we, we're all very happy that we got Paredes in but from my standpoint he was the obvious him Idrissa Gay Maybe Lobotka from Santa Vigo, they were the obvious picks. And I think you don't need to be a world-class sporting director to see that. You don't even need to have a world-class scouting department to see that. Um, so my problem is he's slow. He has been, I, th- I think you're going to go into that, but he, uh, how he handles small details uh, and he's so he wants to go into them in such a detail-oriented level that it, it further delays transfers, especially when, when when we have we're in January and when we need players to come in for the Champions League, which is in about I mean is it two weeks now or something? Two weeks. We need players in, yeah. So we need players in as soon as possible, and then we wait to the end of January when we could have two or three more weeks to get them integrated into the squad and playing along with their new teammates. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's my sort of rant. Uh, yeah, no, you're, 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 it's a good start to it. And I, uh, let's just use this Frankie Diong thing, and I haven't talked about it a lot on the show because I just kind of don't want to, but I'll go into it now. Apparently, he's been trying to work this deal since December, or no, or late November, early December. Like, Barcelona hadn't even really given an offer yet of any substance. And here's Antero Henrique and his group doing this long deal where he's trying to get the agent fees right, and he's trying to get the commissions right, and he's trying to get the, the money right. And he's trying to get the transfer with Ajax done. And it's like, Barcelona hears about this deal about to be done. Or maybe about to be done. And there's a caveat here that um, Ali Durs and Frankie De Jong's 
agent may have just been sort of playing PSG in a long game to try to get Barcelona to up their offer. That's very likely. But the thing about a bluff is that you have to be able to go through with the bluff if it doesn't work out. So if PSG had been able to get this deal done quicker, like getting it done in early January, like the 4th or the 5th or the 10th or whatever, if they had been able to get this thing really close to the line, it might have been harder for Barcelona to do what they did. And then look what Barcelona does. It They do in a week what Antero Henrique took two months to do. Like, that's just simple timing. Like, there wasn't arguments over fees. There weren't arguments over... You know, how much is this agent going to get paid? How much is that agent going to get paid? You know, what is the appearance, what is the league on appearance fees? Like I was hearing in the, they were reporting this in like Paris United who were very anti-Enrique, but still they're reporting it's like that he's haggling over league on appearance fees for Paredes. And it's like, you know, not for nothing, but you guys have billions of dollars. It's not Enrique's money. Like, I understand if he's spending his own money, but he's not. Like, does it matter what the league on appearance fee is if if they want it to be what? Like, let's just theoretically say it's a it's a a one million dollar bon one million euro bonus if he plays over twenty five league on games. Who cares? Yeah. Just take it out of the oil fund. Who cares at this point? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. are we really arguing over this stuff? And then we get into today, which was a horror show. You have yeah, that, a deal that's... lined up for Mitchell ba- Mitchell Bacher, who's a left back from Ajax, and apparently the deal can't get done because they can't get the paperwork done on time. Then you have yeah. a deal for an MLS player, um, Luciano Acosta, who, yeah. again, it's sort of up in the air whether it would have been a good deal or not. I would have gone for it. I think he looked talented enough to give him a shot, and it wasn't all that expensive. But are we really trying to do deals without, like, telling the coach first? And then the coach apparently vetoes it? Again, all this stuff is rumor, innuendo, and speculation. But it all adds up to it's amateur hour. It's a guy who has his pluses. And I really want to, at some point, go over his pos- what he's done positively for this club. But in the end, the job of a sporting director at a major club is not to shed the payroll, not to sign the youth players. Your job is to, when you need to make deals and bring in players that can help your team, you do it. That's what a major sporting director at a top club does. And he's, unless he's got help from Nasser or from Jean-Claude Blanc, Clearly, on his own, he cannot get those deals done. No, no, definitely not. Uh, and what worries me the most of anything, and I mean, he's slow. He doesn't seem to have a very good organization in place. Which I would add to with bringing in big players is the main object, objective. The main sort of the main way you do that is. Organization. I mean, if you look at probably the best sporting director in the world over the past ten or so years, Monchi. Now, uh, previously at Sevilla, now at Roma, he had an incredible. He has or had an incredible organization behind him, and I don't. 
I'm not that into exactly how it work, uh, how the organization is put up behind Enrique, but from my understanding, it hasn't been very good. He just come in, reshuffle a couple of things, but he hasn't really put his stamp on it, and that's one of the reasons, uh, in my opinion, he hasn't been able to do everything that efficiently. But, uh, sorry, I uh, got away from it there, but what worries me the, the very most is how he tried to get a transfer in behind Thomas Tuchel's back. We, I think you, uh, you, we probably agree on this, that he has our full confidence, right? Wouldn't, would you say so? He has your full confidence, Thomas Tuchel? You right now? I mean, yeah. again, it, it, things can, things that can obviously change over the next year or so, but clearly Thomas Tuchel is going to get the next year to, you know, to, to make, to put his stamp on this team even further. Like, and yeah. if they do well enough in the Champions League, he's going to get extended for another year or two out on top of that. So, yes, Definitely. in that sense, uh, he has – I have faith right now that he's doing a good job. Yes, and when he was at uh, – With exceptions, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, when he was at uh, Borussia Dortmund, he – one of the reasons he quit, or one of the big difficulties during his time was his – uh, his feud with Sven Mislintat, who is, uh, was the sporting director there, and they couldn't agree on a transfer. He, he did, I don't know if he wanted, it was Oliver Torres from Atletico Madrid, I believe. Uh, and that basically, uh, it made everything just worse. So I, I'm worried that if he doesn't, if he and Enrique doesn't get along, after especially this uh, transfer with, transfer with uh, Acosta, um, let's say Enrique gets the boot, and then Tuchel needs to have a big word in with who comes in. Because if we don't get a person that com- that he can work with, we are royally screwed, I believe. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm gonna be a little bit positive here. I think PSG have learned this lesson. Like, yeah, they've had enough of these where this stuff has happened. I think they've learned this lesson. Like, Laurent Blanc, I don't think, really cared. I think he just, you know, put the team out and he'll, he'll, he'll like, you know, roll the ball out, let him play. Like, Unai Emery was, had his own stuff to deal with. I think Tuchel will have a say. I think it's clear that he's going to ask for a say. It's telling that he was, you know, that Henrique had no say in hiring Tuchel. I think that was pretty well reported that he that Henrique has always kind of been a dead man walking to a certain degree. I think he's made enemies in that, uh, in that PSG front office structure. I think that they've kept him on because I do think there are certain things he's done well. And again, I just want to make those clear. I think, I think he's the only PSG sporting director in this QSI era or any really any other era that's made the club money off of transfers. Like, he's been able to get value for players that, you know, at times maybe PSG would have just let ride out of their contracts. And I think he's gotten, uh, he's been able to sign most of the good youth players that they have, which is a positive. Again, you can't, you know, you can't deny him that. And to a certain degree, PSG have been more fiscally responsible, barring the Neymar and Mbappe deals, which you had to do. 
they've been more fiscally responsible in the way they've given out wages. They, they've gotten rid of some of the players that were eating up a lot of the wage structure. All good things that I hope the next sporting director will take and keep in mind. Yeah. But, again, this, to a certain degree, was a clown show. With, you know, with very, um, with very bad implications, not really for PSG, but for Enrique's career. Like, I think that's, and I, and I want you to get your opinion on this. I think the positive thing about all of this, and I just tweeted this a little bit back, is that I think this reflects on Henrique rather than PSG, and I don't think PSG are necessarily in a bad place because Henrique's been their sporting director. Like, I think he's been at times incompetent, but I don't think he's left the club in a situation where, like, Oliver Latang and Patrick Clivert did, where you've got, like, Krakowiak on... You've got, like, Krakowiak and Ben Arfa and Hesse and all these guys you can't use sitting on your bench. At least he's not done that. At least he's not actively damaging the club to any sort of degree that can't be recovered, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think... Well, when I try to look at his overall, the overall picture, I think... He doesn't look as bad because our previous sporting directors have been very poor. Not everyone, of course, but Clivert in particular. Uh, but I, I mean, in my opinion, the, the departures and so on, it's a, such a base. It's quite a basic thing for a for a sporting director to do. He needs he or she needs to do those things, and. What separates a decent sporting director from more of a world class or at least a, a very competent one is to get good transfers over the line or maybe get really really good value. I'm when I look, at, I'm looking at the departures from this year uh, right now, and of course we have uh, we have our disagreements over. Uh, Giovanna Rochelso, uh, if he should have stayed, but uh, at least he, he right he, he right now has a they have a uh, an option to buy. Yeah, uh, and they're gonna they're gonna exercise it. that option to buy. Yeah, and the problem with that is <laughs> we could have gotten so much more of him uh, out of him, I, I believe. He's such a sought-after player. Uh, I mean, there have been scouts watching his game from essentially all over Europe. And I, if a big club went in for him, he could have gotten 50 million. Um, I've yeah. seen. Uh, uh, so so that, that, that's the main problem I have right now because I'm starting to realize that he will probably won't be at PC next season. So I just think that thought go. Um, yeah, and I just want to so, clarify something on Lachelle. So it's yeah. not necessarily that I see him differently than you do it's that the person who matters Thomas Tuchel sees him differently than you do yeah and that yeah. to um, me is sort of the it you know that's sort of the issue which is could you have kept Giovanni Lachelso and he would have been playing bench minutes probably would he have reached the potential that he's reaching now play and this is sort of the this is sort of the fallacy of the predetermined outcome he goes to Real Betis and he gets every day minute. He's playing every game. Would he be that? Would he look that good if he were coming off the bench for Paris Saint Germain right now? That, that's in, in my eyes, he would have filled 
the central midfield, even though he's not a, an ideal central midfielder, yeah. he would have filled that role better than a Draxler, for example. His defensive numbers are and, vastly better. And, 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 that's and, our, and that's our major, That to me, I think our major disagreement is on Draxler as a player. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but we, we we won't go into that now, I believe. But uh, so essentially, he is better than Justin Clyburn. Essentially, is what I'm is what I'm saying. But that's not saying much. Uh, I think he will have uh, probably his reputation in Portugal. Maybe isn't as damaged as it, as it is around Europe. He'll likely go there. I think. To either a Porto or another side. Uh, and yeah, do but that's different. Okay it's job. a different business, though, because in, in in Portugal you're not talking about the huge money. You're you're talking about yeah. just trying to run a club, and doing it in sort of it, it, in some ways. Henrique and Emery are similar, and that Emery to me is better when he's running a kind of a smaller. You know, he he's he can run the. I, I don't know if you have delis in Sweden, but you you yeah. know the like the just sort of neighbors the neighborhood store. As yeah. opposed to running the big, you know, superstore, you know, he ain't running. Like, like, Henrique ain't running IKEA. He's running, you know, <laughs> he's running the he's running the, the little mom and pop shop, you know, that you know yeah. hand makes the chairs, like yeah. It, and we're working with the limited resources essentially. Yes, and uh, he can do and that. To do the best, yeah. At PSG, he he he, it's like he was almost too frugal for his own good and, and to a certain degree, and now that you know. Nasser's, you know, part of the family now. He's part of the UEFA family. I don't necessarily think we have to worry about the financial fair play stuff as long as we don't get too carried away. Yeah. But we'll um, see. Let's we'll talk see about, about that. the depo- as we uh, are about to reach six o'clock. It's clear that there's probably no deal on the horizon here to add. So uh, we'll see if ca- there's been anything. No, no I, don't I, think, I can't I, see anything. No, I don't think there's anything. I think we're kind of done with it. Um, unless something shocking happens, but it could happen at the after six, but right now we've reached six o'clock. The window is officially closed. So yeah, I don't see anything. I don't see anything going down. Um, let's talk about some of the departures here. Tim Weah leaves on loan for six months to Celtic. Um, Jesse leaves on loan for six months to Real Betis. And I have to give credit to Hesse because, Guy got himself in shape. He's gotten himself to a point where he could be loaned out and he could make an impact for a team. Good for him. That's the right way to go about it. Um, PSG, I think we're going to loan out Kevin Remain, but I'm not sure if that deal actually ever went through or not. And see if I can see the, the surprise one, obviously, that sort of came around last night was Yassine Adley, the player that PSG did try pretty decently hard to resign going to Bordeaux on a permanent deal four and a half uh, 4.5 year contract for him at uh, Girondin de Bordeaux um, which one of those stand out I like the well, I'll go first I like the way alone I think he's gonna do well at Celtic I, I wouldn't even be against loaning him out another year to Celtic but I still want to keep his rights because if he really turns into something you know special, you can bump Kylian Mbappe inside to central, you know, to center forward and put Tim Weah on that right wing. So, yeah, or even play those two up top together with Neymar in behind. Yeah, like that, could be, that could be good. So I, I'm all for keeping the rights to Timothy Weah. So I think they did a good job with that. 
Um, let me get your thoughts on Yasin Adley. That was an odd uh, six months for him. Very odd. I'm, I've seen things sort of banded about today uh, on mainly Twitter that he's had a bit of an attitude and he had his agent has been very sort of non. Uh, he hasn't been easy to handle and so on. So I, I, I'm not really sure exactly what's the correct story behind why uh, things have, have panned out the way we have, but. If you just look at the situation last August and to today, uh, he was going to um, he was going to Arsenal uh, with us essentially just getting a compensation fee for I think the standard compensation fee is about maybe one hundred or five hundred thousand uh, pounds I believe for a youth for a youth player, but now instead. He's saying within the country is going to Jorgenda uh, de Bordeaux for what was it four four point five or was it five point five million 5. euros 5 with bonuses uh, five point five with bonuses. bonuses and they get forty percent of the resale exactly so exactly which is a really damn quite, good deal to be quite honest to get forty yeah so they get forty percent of a resale that's not bad yeah, I mean I mean it's a salon clause is usually stretched to maybe. 10, 20%, but 40% is actually very impressive. I think Bordeaux needed something very quickly, and they sort of accepted that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's a good move for him. Um, he will fare pretty well there, I, I believe. I think most, since he's hungry, most of us would have liked a him to stay and become the thing that Adrien Rabiot didn't. But it seems that PSG have a problem with long-haired uh, youth products. Um, so, yeah. Uh, all the best to him. Yeah. I, I really hope he, he succeeds. You know, though, like, it was pretty obvious that when PSG uh, sat Rabiot on the bench and took him out of the first team and Marco Verratti got hurt, and they were playing Danny Alves at midfield, that there was no chance that Yassine Adley was going to see the field for this team. So, in the end, it's about, and I talked about this with LaCelso too, it's like, in the end, these guys want to play every day. And if you think you're good enough to go out there and play every day, you want to, you know, you may go to a lesser team that will give you those minutes to get yourself some exposure. So... You can't really blame the kid. Like I'm good with it. Um, I I think in the end it's a missed opportunity to a degree. But they did sign a new. I they signed somebody a day or two ago. Another kind of a box to box midfielder from their academy, who may be a guy that they. Oh uh, yeah. They may. Uh, I think his name is Danga. The last name I have to look it up. It's a long, I'm not actually sure. I can see if, if you I can, can look find it, up, it here. I'm on if you transfer can, marked, but uh, no, I, I'm not sure actually. Yeah, but they they did sign somebody um, recently the, from their youth academy. I'm going to try to get his name. Um, see if I can pull it out here. Um, why don't you talk about um, the Adrian Rabio situation because it's clear that Tomas Tuchel is pushing for the guy to be back in the lineup. Are you okay? Okay, the name of the person we were thinking about is Bandiogu Fadiga. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know anything about him, so no, I well, really can't comment. But you may find out about him soon enough. 
Um, Hopefully. Adrian Rabio, are you in the camp of he should never play again for PSG? Absolutely not. Or is there a chance with sort of the things that have happened to Rabio in the last month that he might have grown up a little bit and that even if they don't re-sign him, which I actually think is a possibility that's slightly more that if the percentage of them re-signing Rabia was 0%, I think the percentage right now is 5. So more than it yeah. was. But do you think he's mature enough in this situation to play for PSG, give effort for five months, you know, not complain that he's not playing in Champions League, give them some depth, give them some league games and go on his merry way at the end of the year? Or is it just one of those things where he just has to go away from the team? I think from a personal standpoint, uh, you started by asking earlier that I don't have, I don't like to think I'm that emotionally driven that I can't have a player that has sort of disturbed the, um, or his relationship with the club and the fans that I can't let him in again. Uh, so, so I don't really have a problem with it if he were to better his ways. Uh, the question if he, uh, is if he um, uh, if he's willing to do it. And that's, as you said, I think that's affected by the, essentially a lot of things revolved around that, the young transfer. He was supposed to be that next recruitment for Barcelona's midfield, but he wasn't. And now suddenly he has, uh, um, has burned bridges within the club. Uh, and with uh, clubs like Tottenham uh, so I think he's more willing to show remorse than he was maybe two weeks ago so we can only hope that he's um, from my standpoint that he that he's willing to have a dialogue both with the coach with the board and so on because uh, I wouldn't be against him signing a contract even though I think uh, as you said it's very slim even if there is a chance the question is also if the ultras are mature enough to let him in again, which I doubt. Yeah, but I think that I think there's a, an opening that if he sincerely apologizes, and I think there's in reality there's an there's apologies that have to go on both sides here. It's not just a one sided issue. It's been two stubborn forces going against each other. But I do think Adrian Rabio owes the fans a certain amount of an apology for all of this. And you know what? If you play him on the road and don't play him in the Parc des Princes, you can get away with it. I think. You know what I mean? Like I think he can get. I think yeah. he can get away with it if they yeah, want they, to. And I, it's I, clear I mean, that Thomas yeah. Tuchel needs that depth. He's gonna. He's fighting for Adrian Rabio in the situation. I think Adrian Rabio can be a professional for the next four months and 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 play. And it, realistically, you only need him to play like five to seven games, maybe eight at the most. So if they, and if they are to resign him, I think it would be something like resigning him to 2019 or let's sorry to 2020 so <laughs> that he can play for five months and then get his summer move with PSG recouping some funds for him. Like if they just extended his contract one year, I think that would work out for everybody. I don't see an issue with that at all. No, probably the question is, yes, he might be mature enough, but, but is Veronique Rabiot, his mother, is she willing to to go through with that? 
she has been in so much trouble in the past. Yeah. And But you know what? At this yeah. point, they're boxed in because he ain't going to Liverpool. Where, where are Liverpool going to play him? They have 30 midfielders. They're, he's not going yeah. to Manchester City. He's not going to... He is not starting for any major... Let's put it this way. He has no chance of starting for any team that he would want to start for except for Paris Saint-Germain at the moment. If he yeah, plays, probably. What? Pro- yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a Tottenham Hotspur, but it's, that, that's he's a question that he wants but, to but, go there. But Carl, he's too good for Tottenham. I, I, yeah, I, I don't really... He's too good I, for I, Tottenham. I, I, I really like I like Tottenham. That's uh, I got a weak spot for them, so I don't I know, know if I'm. He thinks he's too good for Tottenham. So yeah, 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 he thinks. Yeah, definitely he thinks so. But at this point now, I think it's mutually beneficial for these two parties to get in a room and say we could we can coexist for four months, extend your contract a year, and then we'll sell you in the summer and we'll sell you to whatever team wants to get you. So I'm all I'm all. I'm all good with that. Um, I, I'd like to get your opinion on this part, too, because I feel like for all of the horror show that has been this Henrique window, I don't think Tomas Tuchel helped uh, help the situation at all. Like, for Henrique's strategies to work, he is somebody that does not talk, he does not speak to the media, he doesn't tip his hand. And I like that a little bit. Like, I like that he's not all over just blabbing about what he needs and what he doesn't need and all that stuff. And Tuchel kind of submarined him a bit and started, you know, very early on talking about, oh, we need two midfielders. We need at least two midfielders. And then when Marco Verratti gets hurt, he goes into, you know, ultra panic mode it's like we don't know when Variety's going to be back hell he could be out forever with the broken leg or whatever I don't know what he said but I'm paraphrasing and exaggerating but he was he was playing the doom and gloom and Marco Variety's going to be back next week so it's like I don't think he's helped his cause and I don't think he's been going out of his way to exactly help Enchero Henrique here I don't know if you kind of think that Tuchel's sort of not working in cross purposes because clearly he wants to sign his players, but I think the pressure he put on a guy like Antero, who clearly doesn't deal with pressure well, did not help the situation. Your thoughts? I think I, I believe in general that I mean uh, complaining to the media about not getting transferred through is. Uh, quite a common thing for uh, trainers to do or, or coaches to do. It doesn't um, mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's good. No, no, no I, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I'm not inherently defending that, but it, for me, it's it was so obvious that PSG needed midfielders. I don't know. I don't know if him going and saying that in a conference or an interview is going to make a difference. I could be wrong. I could be. Uh, uh, I could be right. I'm no, not you're sure. Not wrong. Carl, but the problem yeah. is what he's doing is he's publicly setting the he's publicly setting the goal. And getting two quality midfielders in a winter transfer window is not easy. As we just learned, it is really difficult. So by setting the bar at two quality midfielders, you're setting Enrique up to fail publicly, is what I mean. 
if he says nothing and PSG get one midfielder and then Tuchel, whether he likes that or not, whether he thinks they needed more or not, comes out and defends the sporting director and goes, yeah, he, he did the best he could. He got us a really good quality midfielder in Leandro Paredes, and we're going to move on with the team we have, and we think we have a very good shot. That's what you say if you're in lockstep with a, with a sporting director. Clearly, Tuchel is not in lockstep with Enrique. So Tuchel is publicly setting Enrique up so that when he doesn't get those two midfielders, it's the blame is on him. Does that make like that's where I'm coming from with that? It's, okay, so uh, yeah, because I, I thought you were going from the perspective that that negotiation would be harder for Enrique. No, I mean, well, it, uh, didn't, no, no. it didn't help. It, it didn't hurt all that much, but it's more. Yeah. It's more from the it's more from the latter than the former, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, possibly. Uh, I think. Yeah, uh, very. Yeah, you, you could have that uh, that way of looking at it. I'm just. I, I just see it as a way for him to to vent frustration, and I don't think it's any anything nefarious behind it. Um, and for me, in general, it's just so obvious <laughs> that PSG need. I mean, we had one one. Uh, Midfielder available and zero midfielders available when Verratti got injured. So I don't think it. You don't need to be a sort of PSG insider to know that. Yeah. PSG needed two midfielders. That, that's my take on no, it. But I, right I, I see that. what you're. I said. Now, now you have the, now Tuchel has clearly set the fan base up to not like to to. He's clearly kind of set them up in that case to, you know, to. To now, it's clearly Henrique's taking the fall here. Like Tuchel's going to survive yeah. it. Whatever, the, whatever power struggle there's been here, Tuchel's going to survive it. Henrique's going to be uh, let go or whatever. And now we move on to the future. We're going to talk about a couple more things, but just for some fun, um, we have our newest. Um, we have our first major um, summer transfer rumor from the UK Sun. Would you like to play a guessing okay. game of the player, the destination, and the weight, and the and the transfer fee? Uh, it, 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 it doesn't have to be to PSC. It has it could no, be any... just anybody in general. Ooh, uh, let's see. I'm saying Gareth Bale to Chelsea. Um, okay, um, you have, you have, you don't have any of those right, but you have, you're, you're, you're uh, you, it involves one of those teams. Okay, Real Madrid? Yes, it does. Neymar? Nope. No, Better. not Neymar. Better than Neymar. Better. <laughs> Messi? Ronaldo? No, better than, better than Messi, Marcus Rashford. Oh, Yes. The in, yeah. A hundred million euro bid for oh, Marcus geez. Rashford. Yeah, that is the um, that is the beginning of silly season from the sun. It is seventeen minutes after the deadline ended, and we are now talking about the July transfer window. So, oh, Jesus, you must be yeah, so happy. The, the, the war never the war never ends, man. We're we're gonna be in Nam forever. Oh, we only have seven months. To, oh. We have glorious seven months ahead of us yes, till the end of August. Don't have to, yeah. Um, all right, so um, let's wrap this up a little bit. Um, 
give me your letter grades, A through F, um, for this transfer window. Um, just, no, I was listening to that. Is that sound in the background? Is that you playing with coins or something? Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, I have a wine over. <laughs> ah, okay. So, sorry to all the listeners. Nervous ticks, we all have them. Um, <laughs> so, um, we have a... Um, your letter grade for this window, my grade would be a B because they did get one of the major midfielders they definitely needed, but they didn't get the second one. If they had gotten the second one, I would give them an A. But I'd say a B. I'd yeah. say Antero Henrique personally has failed in, you know, looking like a competent sporting director, but in the end, I think they get a B. I think it's hard to grade it because uh, I would give it an A. But an A on a multiple answer like question with very easy answers because the objective in itself was pretty easy and you if you did it you get an A but if you you can't do it you get an F essentially it's a very binary thing in my in my view uh, but C maybe. okay it's, I, I yeah. would say C yeah we're we're kind of we're kind of in the same area I, I think. Yeah. I think Paredes is a good enough player for the future that they're going to get leverage and mileage out of the guy, so I think a B is sufficient for that. Like, last year was a D because they got Lasana DR and it just didn't work out at all. But, yeah, no. All right. Um, while I have you here, last uh, before we go, um, your thoughts on what is your prediction for PSG versus Manchester United? Let's see. Wait, I've run it. It's the first leg at home right away. Uh, it's at it's at Old Trafford. Yeah, Old Trafford. So the first leg, I actually believe, since Leandro Paredes will have less than two weeks to get integrated into the squad, I believe we'll lose two one first leg, and then I'm going to say we win by four one at home. So two one four one. So that would be five three on aggregate. Five three on aggregate. With Cavani scoring two, Bernat scoring out of the two, and Supermontain getting the fifth. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to hold off on my prediction. I got yours. Um, you want to plug your uh, your Twitter um, before we go? Yeah, sure. Uh, my Twitter is C.O. Kolstrom, so it's essentially Carl Oscar, which is my first name, C.O., and then how, how, would you, how you would spell... Um, the old Arsenal or and Lyon player Shellstrom's off the last name without any vowels. Uh, maybe we can put it in the tweet. Prob- you know what, probably. If that's too complicated, find. just go to my Twitter at Damon one and just look for one of the conversations we've had. Yeah. That, that probably would solve it more. Yeah, it's easier. All right. Um, so I'll do some plugs here. Um, Make sure to follow PSG Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to our podcasts, PSG Talking, which should come out at some point, and PSG Small Talk, which you're listening to right now. Um, visit our Patreon page at psgtalk.com. Just click the uh, Contribute to PSG Talk button at the top. And uh, consider donating. We can give you a nice T-shirt. Um, Carl, I'm sure you're all over that. Of course. I'll, as soon as my salary comes in, yes, uh, I'll get one. We need. We do need money to pay for these things. All right. Um, so, Carl, Oscar, thank you so much for coming on. Um, this yeah. has been a fun little uh, transfer deadline show. And for 
uh, PSG Talk. This has been Mark Damon saying au revoir for now.